I hope you realize what junction of time we are born, film four and a half billion years, and we are here reproducing in a totally different way. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Strzelka Institute podcast. In this episode, Dutch artist and kinetic sculptor Theo Janssen talks about his artificial life forms from yellow plastic tubes and explains how individual elements of these structures work. I would like to tell the story of my life to you. When I was about 17, I wanted to become a pilot. I already went to a pilot school, so I was really my the perspective of my life would i would just stay in the air the rest of my life but then something happened that my eyes were not good enough so i was blocked and that was the first time i really was blocked in my career and it would happen many times after that so i had to make another choice and that's why i went to study physics in University of Delft and I studied physics for about seven years but I was not a very good student. It was the hippie time. People did not what they were supposed to do so I was just painting and I loved drawing very much. After seven years of studying physics I decided to become a painter. I had this idea of making a flying saucer, big flying saucer, which could really fly. And then I launched this, this flying saucer over the town where I lived. And it was a black thing and it hung in the sky. And because it was, the weather was a bit hazy, you couldn't see any depth in there. So it was just a black disc traveling through the sky. And if you don't know how high it is, you cannot estimate how big it is. If you think it's very high, then it's very big and it goes very fast. And that's what the police thought, that it was indeed very big and very high. Interview with the police was on television and I did uh, myself also. I, I filmed the launching of the beast, of, of the UFO. It was broadcasted on television about four days after the launching. This made me famous for a few months in my own country. I was quite happy with that, but after that I wasn't able to paint anymore. And then I started making machines. So I made a sort of painting machine. Instead of making the paintings myself, I had a machine to do the paintings. And in the beginning of the 90s, I had this strange idea of making new forms of life. So the strand beast, which came really into my life. And the strand beasts are based on a material which is not very common. As you know, the real nature is made of protein. Our bodies are made of protein. You could say that the creator, he restricted himself very much in the choice of his materials. He just used protein to make us. I want to restrict myself very much in the choice of my materials. I just want to use protein. I restrict myself only to this kind of tube. And this kind of tube we use in Holland for power lines in houses. So there are electricity lines in here. So it's everywhere on the street and it's very cheap. 
now comes the difficult part of the story because now I'm going to explain how I came to this select system. But being a part of the Polytechnic Museum, I assume that you can follow my story. I will make it very simple for you. The fact that the animal doesn't toss up and down is caused by the shape of this curve written by the pencil. So it moves like this is a straight line, lifts up, straight line. And the shape of this curve is very much depending on the length of the tubes between the spine and the pencil. If you have enough proportion of length, then the pencil will move in a totally different curve. When I started this, I didn't know which proportion of length I needed to get the shape of this curve. And that's why I wrote a com computer program in an Atari computer. You may know what an Atari computer is. It was in, in the 90s, 80s, was you had Atari computers. So the computer, it could generate this curve, but still you have a lot of possibilities. There are 13 lengths of tubes which determine the shape of this curve. If the Atari would let pass all the possibilities, it would be on for 100,000 years. There are so many combinations and it's not easy to find the right combination. That's why I had to use the principle of evolution in this process. So there were born 1,500 of these legs in the computer. Oh, sorry about that. 1,500 legs were born in the computer, but they were all different. They had different lengths of tubes. So you get also 1,500 different shapes of written by the pencil. There are some of these curves which a little bit like this curve with the flat bottom. And those are selected by the computer and the rest of the, the legs dies, is extinct. So there's a selection which is alive and that selection has the privilege to multiply. And that means that the tubes are copied and reassembled to 1500 new combinations as the children of the selection. Now, this process of selection and reproduction went on for months, day and night, and there came out 30 numbers out of the computer, which I could use to build the system. And then it practically, it worked. The animals didn't toss up and down. The animals are running more than 20 years on just a combination of numbers. These numbers as a, a DNA code of strand beasts. I published this DNA code on my website already a long time ago. And since then, lots of students in the whole world are producing strand beasts. So they make them in wood, in aluminum, there are schools, there are projects. The students have the idea that they have a new hobby and that they are very happy. But in fact, they are abused by the strand beast for reproduction. So they, the strand beast, they use, they infect students with their DNA codes and they use the students for reproduction. So everywhere in the world, you'll find small strand beasts and they don't survive very well on beaches, but they survive better in a habitat of student rooms on bookshelves and say they have their own way of surviving. So since a few years, 
this reproduction of the strand beasts so they can really multiply went into an acceleration because there came two students to my studio and they had a, a cardboard box with them. This beast, which you see here on the table walking, is not assembled. It's born. Yes, it was born in a 3D printer. I did know about the existence of 3D printers, but I didn't know you could make moving parts with it. And this is a very special printer, which spreads out a thin layer of nylon powder, and then a laser melts some parts together in a pattern. A next layer of nylon powder goes over it, and again, the laser melts some parts together. So layer by layer, it spreads out the nylon powder, and it ends up with a box full of nylon powder, and the beast is in there. So you just have to blow off the nylon powder and it runs over the table. Now imagine what happens now after four and a half billion years of evolution. We happen to be born in a period that evolution took a side way because these animals, you can put their DNA code, which are zeros and ones, you can put them on the internet and everywhere in the world, you can print out these animals and they can also be combined. So you can combine two animals on both sides of the world and you get a new animal. I hope you realize what junction of time we are born, film four and a half billion years, and we are here reproducing in a totally different way. What you see here on this table is in fact a mutant because it doesn't have my DNA code. This is done by a guy in Amsterdam, a friend of mine, and he made his own DNA code. And I must say, it works quite nicely. So it might have more children than my DNA code. And what you can see on the internet, what is going to happen here is that you get evolution of the, the student room strand beasts because they, the older they get, this mutation gets other mutants, and so it will be an evolution of little strand beasts like this, the 3D born printers. So in October, I always start with a new animal, and in spring, it's half finished, and then I take it to the beach and do all kinds of experiments on the beach, and then it becomes to fall, I declare the animal extinct. So it will be pushed on the boneyard. And I gained a lot of new knowledge during the summer, which I can use in the next animal, which I start again in October. Now, all these extinct animals, they end up in exhibitions. So what you see at the exhibition here in Moscow is that it are all fossils. And for the exhibition, we can reanimate the fossil by how we're gonna do that. First, I have to tell something about the nerval system of the beast. So would you assist me? So we're talking about nerves. What happens here is a small O-ring on the end of this tube. And in fact, you have a piston here. Now, these pistons are connected to the wings. 
So when you see the wings moving, they are pumping air. They're pumping air in lemonade bottles, in soda bottles, water bottles, to high pressure. And this pressure the animals can use for all kinds of purposes, like walking on the fluffy sand or sensing purposes. On the other hand, if you connect this tube with a bottle, then this comes out. In fact, what you have here is a sort of muscle. And muscles turns out to be very handy if you want to survive on beaches. This muscle is a pushing muscle. We have pulling muscles, and this is a pushing muscle. And I could say that this is a, a mixture of a muscle and a bone. In fact, we don't have separate bones. The bone and the muscle is the same thing, which in fact is a better muscle than we have. When you open a valve here, then this jumps out. So the valve you could see as a nerve cell. Our nerve cells trigger our muscles by electricity, pulses. Here's just opening a valve. I have a valve here, and I hope that you all can see this. This is the valve. So if I blow in air in here, the air goes in here and comes out of here. Goes in here, comes out of there. But if I push in this piston here, it's blocked. So this is nothing but a valve. Open, close. This valve can you be triggered by air. So if I blow air in here, then the valve is closed. So if air goes in here, no air comes out of here. Oh, this is really a lesson for you. If this is the output and this is the input, the output is opposite from the input. Yes? I will make it very clear for you. If you see this as a person, and this is the mouth, and this is the ear, the mouth says the opposite from what it hears. So that's clear, right? So that's why I call this a liar. It says the opposite from what it is, which makes it easy, right? A liar. We're going to do an experiment now uh, with somebody from the audience. That, so if you are a liar, and you are a liar, and I'm a liar, we're going to do this experiment. So I say to you, yes, you're a liar. You hear yes. What would you say to him? It's not easy to lie for you, right? <laughs> so if I say yes, you, yes comes in your ear. So you say the opposite from what you hear. What would you say to him then? So in this conversation of three liars, I changed my opinion. So at first I started with yes, and after this conversation I said no. And that's what you have with an uneven number of liars. With two liars you keep saying yes, no, yes, no, niet, da, niet, da. With three liars you keep changing, you have a, a so-called dynamic system. I have three liars here. So, this is you, and this is you, and this is me, and let's see what the liars have to say to each other. So, they're saying yes and no all the time. You have a so-called dynamic system. So you were in this, you were involved in this dynamic system. We have the same conversation with these liars. And as you know, you can say a yes, as a one and a no as a zero. In fact, what you see here, ladies and gentlemen, is the beginning of the brain, which can switch zeros and ones, just like in a computer. So this is the future of the strand beasts. 
It's our the nervous system and the brains of the strand beast. And as you all know, brains are a very handy tool to survive. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting here. With these brains, these animals take all their decisions. So what I see in the future, how the animals would survive, is now that they have two kinds of lives. They have a life on the hard sand and a life on the soft sand. They're only on the hard sand when the wind is parallel to the beach. So imagine they're standing on the hard sand and the wind is parallel to the beach. It walks along the beach and until it can't f f go further anymore because there's a harbor or anything. So they walk a distance along the beach and then they stand on the soft sand and they have to wait on the soft sand for the wind to turn 180 degrees, which might take a few weeks. They have a long life on the soft sand. In the meantime, when they're on the soft sand, they should fight against the storms, also fight against the upcoming water. And then there comes this moment that is low water and the wind is indeed turned 180 degrees. Then they decide with their own brains to go with their ski sticks over the soft sand and they catch the wind on the hard sand and they're going to travel back again to the original place. So there will be migration animals and they can only walk on the soft sand using a sort of ski sticks, which are a sort of pumps. And you can, if you come to the museum or go to the, the venue, then you will see how the animals can walk with the pumps to on the soft sand. On the hard sand, they just are pushed by the winds. Well, living on the soft sand, they need a certain senses. So they need senses for the wind, the strength of the wind, but also the direction of the wind. And I brought here the, the water feeler for you. This is the water feeler. Now, this tube is uh, vital for surviving on the beach. It's feeling the water. It sucks in air all the time. And as soon as the sea comes up, it swallows the water and it feels the resistance of the water and then the animal should do something. In the first place, it should walk away for the water. And the other thing is, it should start a time mechanism. A time mechanism is a sort of alarm clock, which runs off after five hours. After five hours, it will be low tide. So the animal knows there will be a big plane of hard sand in front of him on the beach. If that information is combined that the wind is northeast, so it can go with its ski sticks to the hard sand and decides to go to migrate to the other place again. We're gonna try to use the, the water feeder and see if it works. It works only in 50% of the cases, but it's improving in the years. Let's see. Uh, so I would like to, to put a glass of water and then there should happen something. And what should happen is I put the, the liars on the water feeder. So if I put it in the glass of water, then you should hear the liars running. That's all for today in our Stelka Institute podcast. Subscribe everywhere and listen to our lectures on any of the platforms where you get your podcasts. See you soon.